0: I suck at jujitsu. How do I, suck, to less I suck less I
1: guess it less. <laughs>
0: Hey, everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to the newest episode of the I Suck at Jiu Jitsu show. So today I have a very special guest for you guys, and this episode has been posted before. This is a repost, but uh, early on in the show, I was locked in my house during, uh, uh, during the pandemic, And so I was really recording a lot of episodes and then posting a lot of episodes. And uh, this is before we had a a posting schedule on the I Suck at Jiu Jitsu show. And when I look back through, um, there are two kind of episodes that I look to repost. Episodes that people really love and I'm like, hey, new listeners would like to hear this and uh, I think it would be valuable. But... The other one is episodes that didn't get near as many listens as they should have. Uh, And to me, this is one of those episodes. And it was something that like, you know, I was posting so many episodes at that time. I think a lot of episodes kind of just got lost in Josh has posted seven episodes in seven days and I'm going to listen to the one with the world champion that I know of, you know, and so uh, I think a lot of people missed some really good interviews, and that is what we're going to look at today uh, with Jared. And uh, as usual, I will be sure to uh, to link a or, or to uh, to to talk a little more after the episode about the new episode, just to give you guys a little extra content with the repost. But also to, you know, sometimes you're talking about things, and then later on, you're like oh, wow, this is how that ended up playing out. And so uh, we'll get into all of that too. But uh, besides that, I think you guys are just going to enjoy this episode. It is so much fun. It's so lighthearted. Um, and uh, Jared will be on the show again. He uh, we, We've been messaging back and forth, just looking for kind of a time to get scheduled. Baby McKinney coming it has been, you know, makes the recording a little bit hard because like every time you schedule anything with somebody in those last few weeks of pregnancy you're going well uh this is like a kind of plan you know like if it there's a good chance it doesn't we don't get to do this and uh so you know, just trying to get that scheduled and, and get it ready but we will be doing it soon and I'm telling you guys, uh, we have a really fun plan for what we're going to do. We've actually been planning on what we're going to do on that episode for months. And so you guys will really like it when Jared comes back on the show. And That's why I really wanted to reintroduce you to him if, it's, you know, if you've never heard this episode or if you've heard this episode before, but then just introduce you to him if you have never heard this episode or never, yeah, if you've never heard this episode. Uh, man, having a little trouble talking today, but luckily... We're doing a repost episode so it's okay uh let's go ahead and get into today's episode
1: check check one two one two can you hear me now yep yep.
0: Yeah. you're good man that was that was perfect that's the whole interview right there
1: that's a perfect check one two <laughs> we're done man so how are you doing today i'm doing good doing good hanging in there uh self-quarantine a little bit uh, i'm here with uh family and stuff in the house you know just chilling going stir crazy like everybody else
0: yeah what do you do like during this time you know we obviously can't really do much but
1: yeah i mean just just chilling around the house playing with my daughter playing with my daughter she's going wild around the house and stuff like that we set up we set up a mini little jujitsu academy in the basement um some mats and some wall pads having a little fun there um but I do, as you know, I do have a second job as, an, as a police officer. So, like, I, I've been off the last three days. So that's kind of been my way to get out of the house a little bit um, when I'm working. Um, so I'm starting night work tomorrow and then i um, going to be out of the house again. But, hey, you know, and it's a little scary times out there, too, because we really are not trying to come into contact with too many people and this and that. So, For yeah, sure. so it's, it's been stressful on both ends, obviously. The business isn't open. The school's not open right now. And then the work, the police-related stuff is stressful, too. Because we don't want to obviously we don't want to get sick or we don't want to bring anything home to my family or anything like that. So a lot going on. Is
0: is it, I, I, is it busier as a police officer right now or what what's kind
1: of going on with that? Um, actually, believe it or not, it's been eerily quiet out there. Um, yeah. The call volume has subsided tremendously. Um, we the we're not doing any traffic stops. We're not doing any pedestrian stops. We're not doing any suspicious vehicles. Obviously if it's life altering or if it's a serious situation, somebody's driving all over the street, going up on curbs and stuff, I'm going to stop it uh-huh. to make sure it's not an intoxicated driver or anything. But like, um, you know, it's been eerily quiet and I'm figuring now that I'm going on the night work, we're going to be on the lookout more for like, um, like burglaries and thefts, mm-hmm. from autos and stuff like that. And, cuz you know people are out there taking advantage of these quiet times so we got to be on point for that Of course, of course. So you how long have you been a police officer for? Over 10 years now? What did you have
0: a reason that you wanted to become a police officer? Was that uh what was your reason behind that?
1: Um back in the day I did a few ride-alongs with some students actually who were local cops and then um I thought it was a cool job and I got, you know, I saw the fun part when I went on the ride alongs, you know yeah. what I mean? I didn't see the paperwork part, I didn't see the the politics part, I didn't see the 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 stress part, you know what I mean? Of course. Um but yeah, it was a cool job and I always said like in a weird way that, you know, having a second job even I'm even though I'm an academy owner, having a second job um you never know when you might really really need it and you know Look what we're in now. You know what yeah. I mean? I the second full-time job. And, you know, fortunately, I still have a paycheck coming in and, you know, health benefits and all that good stuff. Like, dude, like who knows when my academy is going to reopen. And mm-hmm. like this area right now, um, in the Philadelphia area is crushed with this, mm-hmm. with the virus. So we have a lot of serious cases going on here, a lot of deaths now popping up. And then um and they're talking about May, June at this uh. point. Yeah. Hopefully we're open before that, but dude, that's scary for me cuz that, that's, you know, not just my baby. Obviously my academy is my baby. That's that's I still look at that as like my number one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Even though I'm a, an officer, like my my jiu-jitsu academy is my baby. We we are our 18 year anniversary is on April 4th, so that's coming up in a few days. And to not be open for going on a month now is like it's breaking my heart, mm-hmm. uh, breaking my students' hearts. like break, like it's killing me, not being in there with my crew every day, and even just the camaraderie and seeing the guys and stuff is like it's eating me up alive, you know what i mean it's it's tough dude you're right. that's what we miss though that's
0: like you know you can i've tried to I've been giving my students so much technique stuff, so much stuff like that, but man, I just miss. I just miss my guys, you know, I miss my, uh, miss making fun of them, miss getting made fun of, you know, just that, you
1: know, jujitsu, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I it, it's killing me. That's like, just not like we could put out a million videos, you know, on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever, but that's not going to replace that live human contact with our crew and our people that we see it day in and day out. Even the kids classes, like I miss these kids, they're in uh-huh. there, like it, it, it and, this is something positive for them, and them missing practice for almost a month now—it's—it's—it's it's, it's disturbing. Like it's—it's yeah. bothering me, and I don't know how long we're going to be in this thing for. And uh, you know, I'm not necessarily scared of the the business aspect of it yet, mm-hmm. uh, like going out of business or anything like that. That's 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 not going to happen with us. You know, knock on wood, but that's not going to happen with us. We've been around too long, and we got too much invested into this. That's not really a main concern. It's just a matter of having to start over and rebuilding things and um, what's you know how people have like PTSD off of traumatic events what's the human PTSD gonna be from this situation are people gonna be afraid to touch each other have contact with each other or you know shake hands you know shake yes, and go, slap, or, bump, yeah yeah like like what's the PTSD factor of this gonna be on our business on training on our people? Are we just going to be like, forget it. We're clear. Let's rock and roll. Or are we still going to have that little bit? Is this, is this Rona? We in Philly. We call it the Rona. Cause you know how it is over here. We call it the Rona. So it's the, is the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got to call it. It is what it is the Rona. But um, it, it, is that still going to be lingering in people's minds? Like, yeah, we're clear to get back to some daily life, but does that cat still have the Rona in his lungs? And are we still going to be passing this left and right? Yeah, I man, so, that's, it's stressful. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but I just, I, you know, I, I'm hoping to get back to normal business soon. See my people, make fun of them. You know, we were on our our team, did our group chat yesterday and stuff like that, which was awesome. And right away we started making fun of each other. Like we saw Watson <laughs> right away. We saw, saw Will Martinez's neck was enormous. Like, <laughs> we said, Damn, well, you're 200 bills right now. Like, what are you doing? But, uh, you know, I miss this a lot. I can't wait to get back to work.
0: Yeah, dude, I, I totally understand. So how do you, how do you manage, um, having a full-time job and teaching classes? Cause I'm sure you have, you, do you have like kind of a rotating schedule with your other instructors or how does that work?
1: I do. We have a, I have an amazing staff and you, and like, you know, you run a school, it's very difficult to run, you know, if you got other stuff going on. So my staff's amazing. Tom, Billy, Jeremy, um, as the managers there, they run the shop. Um, and I couldn't do it without them. They're incredible. So our teaching schedule, everybody has a, a – fail. bless you. Bless you. That was, that was a good one. <laughs> our, uh, our teaching schedule remains the same. So the way my schedule works is I have a short week and a long week. All right? So, like, my long week working will be Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right? And my short week will only be uh, Wednesday, Thursday. All right. So then I'll have the Monday, Tuesday off and then the whole weekend off. So realistically, the, the classes I was teaching anyway, I was only teaching Tuesday, Wednesday and Saturday for the most part. All mm-hmm. right. So I'm realistically only missing one of those days every other week. Like I'm, I'm rotating the Tuesday and the Wednesday with Tom or Billy, whoever wants to take it. So I'm still in that. And when I'm on night work, um, I don't have to go in till seven at night or whatever. Um, so for Saturdays, I wait, you know, I get a few hours sleep. I wake up. I still get to my 1230 class on Saturday, come home, take a nap and go to night work. You know what I mean? So I'm really, I'm honestly not missing that much, which this 12 hour is the short week, long week is perfect for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you are, um, teaching, do you feel like, you know, I've been to, Probably four of your seminar something like that three four. Um, but uh, when you're teaching, do you feel like you kind of have the same style of teaching at your classes as you do when it's a seminar?
1: Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. I try to keep it fun. You know, we break a little stones. Um, mm-hmm. I broke your arm twice the last time. You I, broke I, my uh, arm two seconds. and both were on video. I think both, both of them. Yeah, both of them actually. We have, but we we should post that later. The two I broke your arm twice in the same day. Yes, this, I. Was the same arm or was it both arms?
0: It was. I believe it was the same arm. I
1: broke the same. Oh arms.
0: no 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 no. <laughs> I I honestly think that there might have been three times because I think you were showing that same arm lock again. That's <laughs> when it was my right arm again, and then you had that Kimura triangle where they were taking pictures of me yep. in it, and um, I think that was my left arm. Yeah, I believe I believe was- you got both. It's it's yeah. tough to. Uh, yeah, it's tough to know for sure.
1: Yeah. No, it was, yeah, the first one, the two-on-one was your left arm. Okay. And the second one was your right arm. Yeah, I broke both your arms in one day. Man. How are you Dude, feeling? It's, so uh... better? You recover from that? You all right?
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book one day, and it's going to be called, like, you know, The Life of the Uki. And, uh, you know, it's just going to talk all about how everybody that's ever done a seminar at Kyle's, for whatever reason, is like, oh, yeah, hey, Josh, you know, I'll use you. You seem like yeah. a nice guy. You seem durable.
1: I'll be I'll be honest with you and I'm going to throw Kyle under the bus that comes from up top. That's an order straight from the top right there. The boss <laughs> man over there. Boss man Watson says, "Yo, I'm sore today. Make sure you use Josh as the uki, all right?" So, that yeah. that's an order. That's an order from the boss over there.
0: Okay. That's I I always knew. I always knew that there was some reason that it always happened to me. <laughs>
1: okay. So, uh, will
0: this get started actually? So I just uh, you know, with Nothing being on TV too. You're a pretty big sports guy, aren't you?
1: Yes, yes.
0: What do you What do you
1: like? What do you watch? I, I, I'm a football, hockey, baseball, and, and even like the Sixers were getting good again. So I started, I you know I, I'm an all Philly guy. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah. Through, through. Um, but I'm a big football guy. I'm a lifelong Eagles, Flyers, Phillies fan. You know, um, and there's nothing right now. No, they. Yeah. Oh, we just Philly's opening day was supposed to be the other day, and it was nothing. You know, there's no opening day. Um, the Eagles are in an offseason season right now, but they're still rebuilding, signing some guys right now. And the flyers were on a run to make a Stanley cup run all of a sudden right now. And that gets shut off like boom, like that. So now we got no hockey, no opening day and the Sixers, you know, they were fading anyway. So whatever, they, <laughs> a few, a few the Sixers got the Ronin, too. So we don't, so we don't know what was going on yeah. there. Um, so yeah, so there's nothing, no sports right now. No jujitsu right now. No, there's nothing, nothing. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, but yeah. Uh, how would the Flyers have handled the Blues, the defending Stanley Cup champions?
1: They would have beat the brakes off of the Blues this go-around right now. Dude, yeah. the Blues are <laughs> sharper than last year. Nah, they, yeah, I'm not feeling it. And, and how about this, though? Do you remember that Philly had a huge Blues following last year when the Blues won the Cup, and actually Philly was pulling for the Blues? That whole song that you guys were using over there. The Gloria, have, yeah. Yeah, the Gloria song. They had bars in South Philly just for that, all these Blues fans. <laughs> I you know I couldn't participate because I I won't I won't sell out my people like that but I was pulling for the Blues too yeah okay I get it
0: I get it all right so you you played a bunch of different sports too just growing up right I
1: did I did I uh I played ice hockey all right um I skateboarded um fairly seriously all right um so yeah so you know my dad played professional baseball but I was never I played baseball a little bit when I was a kid but wasn't really my thing Um, played soccer. Um, played lacrosse for like two games when I was a kid and I got kicked out of the league for fighting immediately. <laughs> yeah. I got the boot. Um, so yeah, yeah. I was a big ice hockey guy, skateboarding guy. That was my thing. And I started jujitsu in high school. So that kind of took over.
0: So you, you know, like you said, your dad played a uh, professional, he played for the Phillies, right? He did. He did. So how long did he play for?
1: Uh, I played for a few years, like in the minors, he got drafted right out of the army. And then um, they drafted him out of the Army, played uh, with the Phillies organization, the Expos organization, I think the Oakland A's organization maybe. Um, so he, he got a back injury, fielding the ground ball. He was a first baseman. That was it. Career was over right there. Never recovered from that. And um, back in his era, he was competing for that job of like the Bull, uh, Lazinski and uh, some real famous Philadelphia names back in the day. So, you know, once he went down with that injury, that was it. Yeah. So he wanted me to play baseball, obviously as a kid, and and you know, was I wasn't super into baseball. Like it was fun, um, but he was still coaching baseball and playing in like adult beer leagues and like competitive semi pro leagues till later in his life. So yeah, he's he's a wild man. He still fist fights in his apartment building to this day. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. Have
0: you ever gotten him on the mats?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I let him choke me and stuff. You know what he was doing in the last few days? This is how wild he is. He set up a. He, he obviously saw the YouTube videos. From people in Italy like singing the songs and stuff to each other in the apartment buildings Mm -hmm. so my dad goes and sets up a karaoke machine in his apartment building sticks the karaoke machine out the window all right and starts taking (laughs) requests from people all right and starts singing karaoke songs to people all over like the floors of his apartment outside acting like it's a radio station He's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. and like me and my brother are watching live on Zoom or whatever. And we're just like, oh, my God, dad's going to get a police complaint. They're going to come and shut him down. But yeah, he's going wild right now. He's quarantined going nuts. Yeah, dude, that's yeah. I, I struggle with
0: it enough. The people that got ADD, man, they are like bouncing off the walls in their houses, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's singing songs to people. <laughs>
0: So you mentioned that you um, you were pretty into skateboarding at one point. You were you were sponsored, correct? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yes. So you're. Uh, how old were you around that time?
1: Oh, I uh, I started skating at a very very young age. I started skating, you know, young, probably pre-teens. I, I even was skating like as a young kid, and then I started taking this serious, like. Through like high school, middle school, high school, after high school. So I was skating and doing jujitsu at the same time. I remember I was, uh, I was one of, I skated at Love Park in Philly every day, which is a pretty famous, it's the famous spot in Philadelphia. All right. And I remember I would come with a backpack and I'd have my gi in my backpack. I'd skate the first half of the day. Um, the original, our original jujitsu academy is right down the street from Love Park. So I'd go train, come back, skate Love Park, go get a night session, back to jujitsu. So it would be like back and forth every day. Um, Honestly, the first time I went into the jiu-jitsu academy, I was actually skating by it down Chestnut Street. And I saw one of my boys coming out of the academy who I skated with. And he called me over, introduced me to Steve Maxwell. And I went in, checked it out, and that was it. So it was all meant to be. That's awesome. The two brought me together.
0: And they kind of – I mean – uh, depending on what area you're from, they kind of do have um, a similar vibe. Like a lot of people like in Brazil and stuff, they say like, oh yeah, that's like the surfing vibe. But kind of some of the um, probably Philly, East Coast, rough jujitsu kind of has a little more of a skateboarding vibe, I would think.
1: I would say my style of skateboarding and my style of jujitsu parallel 100%, like perfectly. <laughs> like when I when I skated... Um, my style, I, I wasn't super like over the top technical with all the flippy tricks. I was big in the heel flips, 360 flips, uh, crooked grinds, uh, nose, like just, I kept it fairly basic, but kept it technical and basic at the same time. But I like to go fast and I like to go hard and I was aggressive hitting the handrails and doing stuff like that. And you kind of parallel that to my jujitsu. You rarely ever see me getting fancy. You mm-hmm. rarely ever see me rolling up and all, all Upside down. I'd break my neck if I did something like that. So like <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I'm too old for that. But uh but I'll surprise you sometimes. Don't sleep. But uh, <laughs> but, uh so like yeah, same style. Straightforward, hard, fast, aggressive in jujitsu skating, straightforward, fast, hard, aggressive, go big or go home, pretty much type style, you know? So East Coast. <laughs> When's the last time you skated? Uh I was literally two days ago trying to teach my kid how to skateboard so we were out front like in some fresh air getting a little quarantine fresh air going on and we were cruising up and down the street a little bit nothing crazy but I got on that board and cruised around a little bit do you do it often not much like um me and my boy Pete you ever meet Pete yet from here one of the black belts Saris, but he's I don't skating. think so yeah um so he still skates sometimes too and if we don't got nothing going on we'll go get a little session in and go cruise around a park or something like that like I said we're not trying to do big tricks like that anymore or whatever but like you know it's it's good to just get out there and cruise around
0: yeah I'm sure I'm sure I um my skateboarding career was uh was very short-lived when I realized how unathletic I was and I was like you know what I don't have uh, I don't have the patience for this. So then I took up, you know, jujitsu, which you can learn so quickly and, you know, just jump right in and be a black belt in. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You don't need any athletic activity, any athletic skills for that either. But, you know,
0: (laughs) exactly, exactly. So there wasn't much logic.
1: You just got like I said the other day. You just need the good looks like you have, and it, yeah, that's your tailor-made for jujitsu right there. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. People don't know if you're good or not when you're posting Instagram videos. You know, that's how it goes. You just yeah. act like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a
1: there's a there's quite a few of those out there. There's definitely some actors out there who who who, who, who you know. They make themselves look good a little bit on the video, you know what I'm saying? And then <laughs> real life comes and knocks on their door a little bit. And then uh yeah, you know. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I well I found out if you just uh if you
0: just don't compete or roll with anybody, nobody can question it, you know?
1: Yeah, it's true. You're always good then.
0: Yeah, yeah. like dude, I, I swear I'm really good. You know, I don't I just um can't I can't show you, but you <laughs> know, in my yeah.
1: No, I can't show you. I could, I could film nonstop techniques on the gram, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, give my false uh, profit to the students, you know what I'm saying? And they they believe that I'm incredible, you know what I mean? But they're absolutely, absolutely dreadful. dreadful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is true. Okay, so uh, just kind of stepping back for a second, you know, we were talking about uh, your dad playing for the Phillies. He kind of was... Pushing for baseball, but you weren't really into it. How did he respond to that?
1: He was cool. He, he yeah, I, I got no pressure, no pressure growing up for any sport to really play. You know what I mean? Like, he was cool. He, he just wanted me in athletic activity. You know what I mean? Uh, out of trouble, athletic activity. Um, so hockey it was, you know, I, I played ice hockey from when I was like six, seven years old, all the way up to senior in high school as well. So, like, I, I played hockey for a long, long time, and, you know, he was up with me at those 4 a.m.s, taking me to those two, four, two to four-hour drives to go play um, go play games and freezing cold rinks first thing in the morning. You know, that was a grind, you know? Um, but we loved it back in the day, so hockey was our thing. And he was one of those fighting dads, too, in the stands, you know, with the other parents <laughs> and the other kids that, li- that got a little embarrassing at times, but, yeah, there was definitely some epic parent brawls, and I was like, Jesus Christ, Dad's doing it again. What are you doing?
0: Dude, I, yeah, we've been, we've seen them in jujitsu too, you know, those, uh,
1: we actually had a, we had a notoriously tough group of parents. Um, so it it wasn't just like my dad, it was, they all fed off of each other. So we had, (laughs) (laughs) we had a group of parents that were absolute maniacs that at times that whole group of parents were not allowed into the rink to watch the games because we were so notorious so oh, we had we had crushers. Our parents would fist fight, they'd street fight, they'd break bullhorns from the other teams, smash the bullhorns, <laughs> throw them on the ice. Like, you know, it was we we were notorious. It was epic.
0: Man, that it, is
1: a mix of wild. Yeah, the stories are endless. Yeah. Fighting parents is parents. It, right? Yeah.
0: In growing up in Philly, is that something that it it do you just does everybody fight?
1: <laughs> not not everybody fights, but it's it's definitely a blue collar city, or it was a blue collar city for the most part. You know, you know the the landscape has changed a little bit over the years. You know, but you know, you know, Eagles fans, old school diehard Eagles fans are a different breed. Um, we're notorious, you know, if you ever come into the link to watch a game or back in the day, the veteran stadium to watch a game and you had another team's Jersey on, it's going to be a problem. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it just is what it is. And you, you should know better coming into Philly, but you know what we expect that same treatment. If we go to an away game somewhere too, I was, you know, we've gone to some away games and the only time I ever got punched at a game was when I went down to Washington I went to see the Eagles play the Washington Redskins. Some 12-year-old kid ran up to me and punched me in the chest. You know, I'm wearing I'm an wearing Eagles. What am I going to do? I'm surrounded by like 100 Redskins fans. I'm not going to go punch some 12-year-old kid back. But I got snuffed, you know. So I'm like, all right, here you go. I was like, but that, that's just how it is. East Coast is a little different sometimes. But, you know, Pittsburgh gets it in too. That's Pennsylvania. They're rough. Cleveland gets it in. They're rough. Um and Oakland Oakland gets it in too out there for sure but nothing like the Eagles fans man we're different we're different everybody knows it too <laughs> <laughs> that is
0: uh th- that is awesome to um you know to to really see people that really care about their sports teams when we were in so in St. Louis it's baseball right everything's about the Cardinals and I love the Cardinals with all my heart but I hate Cardinals fans they are um there is this thing and some you know some announcer at one point claimed that the cardinals have the best fans in baseball so there is this uh arrogance to cardinals fans because they've been so good you know for years they haven't the last couple of years but uh they've been so good for years and they're very like proper you know our stadium's super nice and uh you know, and so uh, they are kind of annoying. Well, one time we went to L.A. It was actually during uh, Nogi World. So it would have been uh, like October and um, it was the playoffs. We were playing uh, the Dodgers and we were, you know, obviously in L.A. We went in and we're all wearing Cardinals gear like idiots. And, um, you know, L.A. gets a little gangster sometimes. Yep, and And people were being like fun with us. For um, uh, uh, like the whole time that the Dodgers were killing us, Um, Clayton Kershaw was pitching. We had one hit against him. It was a home run. He was just dominating us, though. There was like nine to one and the Cardinals started coming back and then people stopped being joking with us. And then we're watching people like Cardinals, Dodgers fans getting in fights. And it got to this point where it's like eight to nine, and we're one point behind, and I'm like, dude, we, we need to go. Like, this is, you know, we are really about to get jumped, and we left. We took, like, you know, they're like, yeah, you can wait for the bus, and at that time, when we're out of the stadium, the Cardinals are now up, like, 13 to nine. Yeah. And so, people are coming out of the stadium, and they are, like, looking for someone wearing red to beat up. And yeah. uh, we're like, nah, we'll take a $60 taxi home. We're not doing this. And, uh yeah, but it's fun to be around fans that will beat you up just for supporting a different team.
1: Yeah, when I, when I was at the—I I saw some Cardinals games. The last one I went to was when—remember when we fought on respect? I went with Watson to the Cardinals game. We had great seats right in center field also. Um, beautiful state and beautiful ballpark, by the way. It was really, It was fun, but it was very relaxed. It was very proper, like you said. It was mm-hmm. very chill. There was no threat of violence in the stands, you know what I mean? Like you come to a Phillies game. I mean we've all seen the dude from the from the Phillies fan on Instagram with the Philly fanatic tattooed around his <laughs> belly button like dude's an animal, you know what I mean? How are you gonna go up to that dude like that, but that's that's classic like that's 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 classic Philadelphia right there. So, but yeah, that's funny you said that. my uncle um went to a Phillies Dodgers game in LA and had a problem out there too with some some gangster style dudes, you know what I mean? <laughs> And again, he was sitting up top too, so it got it got a little uncomfortable. He set for him, um, so yeah, yeah. They keep they keep it they keep a G out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It it, it uh, yeah, it is good. Okay, so back to <laughs> jujitsu. You know yes. the <laughs> the point of the show. You know I I have a problem where if somebody starts talking about pretty much any sport, I will talk about it all day. I love sports, but my favorite sport is still jujitsu. Right. So you have been training for like 24, 25 years?
1: Yeah, What was uh, I started in 1995. So what okay. are we we're going on? What is that? What are we going 25, on? Man. We're 25, man. 25 years?
0: Yeah, we're 2020, so.
1: Yeah, 25 years. I've seen a lot of changes um, in the martial art and the sport over those 25 years, definitely. I've been doing this for a little while now.
0: and And that was kind of where I wanted to go with it is what – was it, if you could paint us like a picture of what Jiu Jitsu was like at that time, um, what was it like?
1: Okay. When we started, when I started in 95, it was pretty much self-defense. Um, it was strictly like Gracie Jiu Jitsu self-defense. We've all seen like the Gracie in action tapes back in the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, have you ever seen those But Yeah, those are good VHS tapes back in the day, the Gracie in actions. Um, so we really were in there wanting to learn how to fight street mm-hmm. fight or or just fight learn how to use Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in a fight um that that was the ultimate goal um so then i Like, but we were still learning how to grapple. We were learning how to use the gi. We were learning how to choke and do it. But it was very basic. A lot like each, every class was self-defense. But Steve Maxwell, our original teacher, was a a very good wrestler. So he brought that hard-nosed wrestling style of takedowns and stuff into the jujitsu mix there, too. So we kind of had that advantage from the door, unlike other. Uh, academies, I guess, or we were one of the original academies in the area at that time, but we would start from the feet even back in the day, like with takedowns and stuff like that. So we had that advantage, like takedowns, um, mm-hmm. but it was very self-defense. There'd be a lot of challenge matches back in the day um, because there was that $10,000 or whatever the dollar amount was Gracie challenge back in the mm-hmm. day where you walked into the school and could beat up one of the students, fight, you know, there'd be that challenge. So no bullshit, there was every week there was a new challenge because it was so new back then karate guys would be coming in taekwondo guys boxers Thai fighter you name it so we saw some bloody ass fights back in the day in the dojo i may or may not have been involved in a few of them back in the day um but yeah so
0: I- <laughs> before you were a police officer though
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So like, as a blue belt, I definitely had a few challenge matches in there. I had some straight up like bare knuckle fist fights, like Gracie Jiu Jitsu challenge matches back in the day. Um, but yeah, that that was the thing. And then uh, we went on our first teen trip to Brazil um, in '99, I think. It was 1999. Actually, we we went and competed in Pan before that. Um, so we started to. And no, let's even step back before that. I'd say like 90 in, there was always in-house tournaments, right? So I fought my first in-house tournament immediately after I started jujitsu. Um, I won, I won my division um, as a scrawny little white belt. and got choked to sleep in the open class in the finals <laughs> um, as a white belt, my first tournament. And then um, there was an in-house tournament, I'd say in like 96, I was, just got my blue belt. And then we would fight like the local Yamazaki tournaments in like 97, 98, So, like, the tournament scene was starting to pop up a little bit. Nagas came in. Grappler's Quest came in a little bit. And then um, so we were seeing that there was actually a sport with this. You know what I mean? So it was not just all self-defense. Fought and panned for the first time. I think it was 98 or 99 down in Florida. And then um, we did a group trip to Brazil in 99. All right, 1999. This is where it all changed for me. All right. I saw a level of sport jujitsu which I'd never – could fathom before when I went mm-hmm. down to Brazil, okay um, we went we fought in the worlds I had a few fights in blue belt um, that was eye opening because there was these positions I half guard all this spider guard you know like uh, like it was definitely ahead. they were ahead down there with the technical aspect of things you know back then and um Every day I would go and train or I would take private lessons with people when I was down there. A lot of my teammates were out partying, living the lifestyle, doing their thing, but I w- I didn't get into all that. I went and trained every day, all right? And that trip literally changed my whole outlook on jiu-jitsu. So, I was getting all these new technical positions. I became obsessed with half guard back then and this and that. Um I remember the best private lesson I took was with Ricardo Laborio. All right? Um mm-hmm. I, took a, I was a blue belt, took a private with Laborio, and he taught me like uh, some nice open guard sweeps. He taught me some guard passing, which I still use to this day, and it was just an all-out eye-opener, and that trip changed me, and that's what made me want to take the sport thing to a whole nother level. Does that makes sense to you?
0: Yeah, that does. So you start to, in 99, you start to take it to another level. You come back. What does it look like after that going on from 99?
1: So I after that trip um I probably f- between 99 and I'd say like 2011 I might I must have gone to Brazil like 30 times 35 times 30 a lot I went a lot mm-hmm. and um to train jujitsu. you know I trained a little bit in Rio trained a bunch in Sao Paulo um so I was training at different places and stuff like that just you know different gyms getting different feels and stuff I I kept good relations with everybody, so I felt welcomed everywhere, Um, and it was just pretty awesome. Like, and just I was just trying to every every belt I trained every belt in Brazil. I did uh, except white belt. I did blue, purple, brown, and black. Every belt I was there training, competing too in Brazil at every belt. And you know, and these are experiences that you know are invaluable to me. You know, Mm
0: -hmm. and so at this point, you, you stopped. When was the last time you went to Brazil?
1: I think the last time I went to Brazil, I think it was 2011 or 2012, 2011 maybe for uh, was Master Worlds. So I haven't been there for a while. Me and Yamaso went together. Uh, you know Marcus Torgrossa, we we were uh-huh. roommates and and we went together to Brazil to compete and try to close out the division together. He ended up winning that year, I think. I, yeah, Yamasa won. I lost in the quarters or this or something. Um, but um yeah, that was uh, that was a good time. That was the last time I was there and that, that trip was awesome. Uh, we trained with like Vonda Braga during that trip. And uh, I remember Nepal, you know, big Gabriel Gonzaga, Gabriel yeah. Nepal. Um, he was at uh, Vonda school, and we were literally like getting ready to compete the next day or the day after. And he's like, Nepal's an enormous human yeah. being. And he's like, come on, guys, let's train. And we're, me and Yamasa were both lightweights. Oh, he put a smashing on us like he <laughs> like you wouldn't. Yeah, it was crazy. But that was, I mean, that experience is amazing training with some of these best dudes to play the game. You know what I mean? That's cool, man. So you, what kind of, what stopped
0: you going over there?
1: Um, I think just, you know, the job, uh, the, the academy, police work, um, the level here caught mm-hmm. up. Too, you know, and, and you shouldn't look at it as like caught up, but a lot of the guys we were going to Brazil to train with, we're now moving here. Yeah. You know, that's the truth of it. And, and I, I got to mention too, when I went to Sao Paulo, I would always go train with Godoy. Uh, Roberto Godoy who probably in my opinion is some of the best training I ever had in my career um I love I always learned so much from Godoy as well like he's he's sick we talk about a sick competitor too and mean and mean yeah. and just yeah. <laughs> um and uh I learned and you know so yeah a lot of those guys moved here like uh when I'd go to Brazil too in Rio I would train with Dala Leo Dalla, and he moved here he lives in Virginia now so like all the guys you trek there to see you know are here so, you know, it would kind of save that trip a bit and and the level here, look at California, look at the East coast, look at all these guys, Midwest, even like it's, it's crazy. The the best dudes in the world are living here now.
0: Yeah, that's, and, and that is true. And that's really brought up just the level of jujitsu in general. I think, I think probably the internet too has been a huge factor in it. There's so much information. I have white belts that will ask me about positions and I'm like, man, when I was a white belt, You know, I was, I was 15 steps behind this, you know? Hey guys, Josh, here. just wanted to interrupt this episode and tell you guys about something that has been getting asked about way too much. When are the new... I suck at Jiu show rash guard in short sets coming out again. When are we going to be able to order them again? Well, you can order them from now until Halloween, okay? Until October 31st. So we did one order of these and it was about nine months ago. And the order did super, super well. It might've been six months ago. Who knows how long ago it was, but the order did super well. And I think a lot of people think, oh, well, if an order does well, You know, Josh is going to be full of it when he says, hey, I don't know if we'll do another one of these again. And I definitely don't know when we're going to do another one. A lot of times that's a sales tactic. It isn't. I am lazy and I will not, I may never do another order again of of rash guards and geese. This could be the last one. And I'm not saying that is a sales tactic. I'm saying it so you guys understand that this is your chance. If you send me a message in a month and you're like, Josh, I missed out. When are you going to do another one? I will do the same thing I do with every message and not respond. So if you guys are interested, if you want to look fresh, if you want to support the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show, if you want to let other people know that you suck at jiu you can get the rash guard and short set at imposedwill.com right now from now until October 31st and we have a gi also available for pre-order designed by your boy, Josh McKinney. Well, designed by your boy, Josh McKinney, and the, the gi designer that works at Imposed Will. Uh, but designed by those two people that you guys know and love. Uh, and this gi is, again... It's going to be available for this time for pre-order. Generally, it takes about six weeks after the pre-order for everything to get here. So it should be getting here right around Christmas time and it should be awesome. You guys will absolutely love this. Be sure to check it out at imposedwill.com and be sure to pre-order now because most likely I will never do another pre-sale of anything again how long have i been telling you guys that i'm going to make a guard passing instructional it's been about three years and i haven't done it just know that this is probably the last chance you'll ever get to rep i suck at jujitsu show gear be sure to check it out let's get back to the episode um but any person or handful of people that kind of stand out is uh, in training that you have just thought were just another level
1: yeah definitely um from, so let's let's take it from back in the day to modern uh-huh. you know what I mean um so I, I mentioned Godoy I mentioned Dala um I've trained with Salo Solo was amazing like next level um you know who who else like there there were so many dudes I it, it's crazy the the list is endless uh, yeah, of guys I've yeah. rolled with over the years. But those those guys really stand out from, like, back in the day, like legends. Von der Braga, another legend from back in the day. Shaolin, another legend from back in the day. Like, I've had the opportunity to roll with all these guys over the years. And it was just, like, sick, sick jiu-jitsu. Um, trying to make sure. Megaton. train with Megaton a bunch. Like, you know, so I don't know. Like, But, yeah, Godoy, in my opinion, he was, like, one of my most fun training because, like, he'd crush me and kill me and batter me and beat me. But at the same time, like, I'd be learning something every time. Same with Dala. Dollar is awesome. Um, so modern day, current day, um, JT Torres. Um, I train with JT often, so that's always an experience. I train with Lucas LaPree, like, amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, just a, a whole oh, so all these top dudes like that. I've had the uh Liera Jr., I've rolled with recently, he's so good too. Like, um, and I have a ton of sick dudes to train with every day, but those guys really stand out to me. So, if you look, oh, if you look oh, at the guy, sorry, let me stop. Uh, Bruno Frazato, I've trained with a bunch. Uh, Bruno is awesome. Like, yo, there's so many, my <laughs> my-, whatever. My-, my, but yo, all these guys are sick. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, no, that's I, I love that, man. That's one Josh of the fun McKinney things. Was, Josh McKinney was a beast. I trained with <laughs> that kid recently. Never, yeah.
0: never heard of her. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we uh, uh, But like when you look at that, when you look at those guys that you feel like maybe are a step above or are just a lot of times you're just saying, like, man, rolling with this person is like different. Do you yeah. think that there is anything that you could put your finger on that makes them that
1: way? Yeah. So let's talk about JT and Lucas. All right, right, JT and Lucas Lepre. Like these two dudes stand out to me the most, who I've rolled with over the last few years. Um, It it was a feeling like I never felt from any of those names that I've mentioned on that list. They're both, besides being incredible athletes, they're just constant forward pressure and constant, like no let up but slow, methodical, and just perfect. Absolutely perfect. That, that's the best way to describe it with those two. That's why I think their fights against one another are so amazing. Both on that, just like that level where any given day, either one of these guys can make get the W, you know? Um, and I respect both of these. Obviously, me and JT have a very close relationship, and I, I'm friends with Lucas as well. But, like, these two, it's just – I I guess the best way to describe these guys jujitsu is perfect. Perfect positioning, perfect placement, perfect body awareness. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful and violent at the same Mm -hmm. time. Like it's just it's absolutely perfect. So props to those dudes. They really they really mastered this thing. It's incredible
0: yeah, that's something I always love to look at with JT especially. Obviously, Lucas is amazing too, but just in specifically JT's game, the tightness that he plays, um, it, it, it's that's not a, that's a very hard game to teach and to learn. Yeah. because there's it's step by step there are 20 steps to the things that he's doing when he's smashing these guys in half guard and so you have to win 20 different battles and he does it every time yeah. And so that's something that's always amazing to me to watch is there's very little um huge movements they're very short small win 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 and he just does it to the
1: best guys in the world the best guys everybody and he does it the same to everybody. It doesn't matter like what belt you are. what is it's just perfect, man. Like that's the best way to describe. It. If you never had the opportunity to train with JT Torres, I recommend getting out to Essential or bringing JT into you or whoever's watching it, and just get on the mat with him and feel it out. You know what I mean? It's special. It's definitely a special feeling. You know? That's get- really. You know, I gave JT his black belt. By the way, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah 2009. Um, but he was even when JT came to me um, back in the day. He was always he was he was already a special athlete. He was so gifted already. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really I, I can't sit here and take any credit for for anything JT's accomplished. Um, but like, I, we have that special bond. You know that that brotherhood that that's always going to be there. But you know. He he's incredible, and and it, I think the roles have kind of reversed at this point. I just I really just try to learn from him as much as possible mm-hmm. now. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it, it makes perfect sense. And so you look at those guys too. There was a thing with a uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky's like peewee hockey coach, and they were talking about. They were asking him like, "Well, what did you do with Wayne Gretzky?" And he's like, "I didn't do anything different than I did with every other kid that's ever come in. It's just exactly. like this dude was special, you know." And, yeah. um, yeah, you see that in jujitsu with certain guys that they are just, they're special when it comes to, you know, competing, training, um, understanding the game. Um, and so it's really fun to get to see guys like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, but one, one last thing, special for sure, but work ethic second to none also for these guys mm-hmm. that that part, sometimes, you know, they could all, people say, oh, they're just naturally gifted athletes and practitioners, but their work ethic to be champions the way they all are that it's second to none. So you got to give props for that as well.
0: Oh my gosh. And I think we, I think guys that train jujitsu, they, they understand that things don't come easy, you know, as you train. I mean, it's a special thing. If you have a guy that can get a blue belt in a year, you know, and that's like a, Oh my gosh, this guy got his blue belt that quickly, you know, and he's that good. And, um, you know, to think about like, you're just at level one when you get there, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, there's just, there is so much time that goes into this, you know, goes into the sport and this art. Yeah. So, um, so for you, uh, do you have any kind of goals that you're, you're kind of focused on when it comes to uh, competing? Cause that's something we haven't really even talked much about with you yet. And
1: that's something you're known for is being a really good competitor. Um, At this point, like, I'm not gonna say I'm content um, with like my competition accolades, I guess. But you know, I'm not forcing myself to compete as much as I used to, uh, just for health reasons, and and, you know, and um, it it hasn't become it's not a top priority priority to me anymore. Mm -hmm. And and I guess it it goes up and down. You know what I mean? Like. I told myself like a few years ago, I was retired. I was done competing. And then I came back. I got that urge after I got physically cleared from the doctors and stuff like that. And I've I've done two matches again since I've come back. And, you know, I felt good and I had fun, but I just don't feel that pressure like I used to put on myself to keep going, keep going, mm-hmm. keep going. I'm going to do it on my timeline now when I want instead of that like mental, like I need to do this for the students. I need to do this for the for the rest of the world to see. I need to, I don't need to do anything. I do it when I want. So if I want to do a fight and fight to win, I'll do a fight and fight to win. If I want to do a fight in Fuji, I'll do a fight in Fuji. If I want to do an IBJJF again, I'll do an IBJJF again. But I'm going to do it on my timeline at this point, And I'm not going to put any extra pressure on myself to get out there and do it. Um, when I do get out there and do it, you best believe I'm coming for that blood. All right, because that's the only way I know I'm coming hard and I'm coming direct. But I'm not going to sit in that training camp mode nine months out of the year like I was doing before. I'll pick one or two, maybe three out of the year, take that month and a half to two month training camp or, or you know, a month training camp and put my, myself a little bit, be ready for a match or a tournament. And that's it. Enjoy the moment. That's what I wasn't doing before. I wasn't enjoying the moment. I was always in some type of injury or a head injury or a different body part. And it wasn't enjoyable. It was becoming more of a job and a stressful pressure situation. And I was giving myself all types of anxiety because, and not I'm not sounding arrogant or any of this, but I was winning so that instead of thinking about going into the next tournament like I just want to win, it was thinking, oh, shit, what if I lose? What's it going to feel like? And I started thinking negative. Mm-hmm. Instead of that positive and then the anxiety attacks were common and then this extra pressure and then I had to, man, it's just no one's gonna dislike me or hate me any more than they already do <laughs> or, like, or, or, like, or or lose interest because I lose a match, you know what I'm saying? so I kind of had to reset a whole bunch of different things in my mind and That's where I'm at now so I took away that anxiety took away that self-pressure And just have fun with it at this point. But like I said, I'm still coming hard. If I'm out there in front of you, you better believe it.
0: (laughs) How did did you deal with that? How did you you get to that point where you were taking away that anxiety? Because I know that's something that so many, I mean, even people at White Belt, they have that, like, I have to go out and perform. You know, I have to go win.
1: Yeah. Um, I actually, I went and saw, I I talked to a sports psychologist a little bit because like these are some things that maybe I just couldn't get through myself. Um and I got some really good ideas from a sports psychologist he gave me just ways to work around that anxiety and that unnecessary pressure. Um you know, and it was just a process. I just stepped back from the whole thing for a, a little bit. Obviously I had to recover from some injuries and stuff like that. Um so I was out for about a year, but that was a long year of learning how to reassess everything. And once I realized there was things in life that were so much more important than a medal, mm-hmm. you know, Kind of made things a little more realistic for me if that makes sense to you um but the but the way I look at it now is when i 'm fighting or I'm in that tournament I mean in that match, that medal is the most important thing at that moment mm-hmm. but twenty four seven it's not the most important thing when i'm not in that zone, and that's that what sense. I had learn, that's what I had to learn how to separate a little bit. I, I I think I became obsessed, and I was putting too much self pressure on myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that's so easy to do, and just especially when you win, you know, it's yeah. um if you go out and you lose all the time, at some point or another, you're gonna be like, ah, it's just part of it, right? But if you you're gonna get man,
1: that if, W, be like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is
0: um yeah, it, it's exactly what it is too, though. It's just so like that winning uh, almost becomes addicting. And then you're like, I got to do this forever. It's part of your identity. Oh, you know, Jared's a winner. Yeah. He's got to go out and he's got to beat everybody, you know? And uh, yeah.
1: and then people, and they become obsessed with it for social media. They become obsessed with it for Instagram. They become obsessed with it for Facebook. And like, you're not just doing it for yourself at this point. You're not just doing it. You're doing it for the people that are following you. And then you're just missing the whole point of, it like you said you're doing it it's like becomes your self identity and and like it's not even real you know what i mean it's not even real so and so that's why i just had to step back a little bit and just i i just be coach and every once in a while competitor again and 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 most importantly dad that, you know what i mean just focus on the the most important stuff you know so that that's where i'm at right now
0: that's that's cool man so you are you you said you've had You've owned Beijer United for 18 years?
1: 18 years this week. Yeah.
0: Oh man, that's really cool. Well, happy anniversary for the Thank gym, you. man. Um so you, you. what what made you start teaching? What was your what was your reason behind that?
1: Well, I was teaching when I trained under Steve Maxwell back in the day, I was teaching, he put me in charge of the morning classes. So I was teaching the 7 a.m.s or the 730 AMs. I can't remember the time, but it was early. It was early mornings. And then um, some changes took place in the academy over, over a few years there. And then um, I decided that over some time it was time to, to kind of leave and do my own thing. I thought I could probably be – I could. it was time to branch out a little bit, spread the wings. So I opened BJJ United in 2002. Yeah, 2002. And then um, – so I was already teaching at my first school. So it was a natural progression for me um, when – if you hear – Licking out my dog drinking the water bowl right next to me, by the way. I'm not sure that's, if it's coming through on your end.
0: That's okay. I can hear
1: it. Hey, Indy, stop. All right. Yeah, sorry. That's my girl right here. Um, yeah, she is. So that wasn't me, people. That wasn't me licking or doing anything weird. That was my girl. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, so it was an natural progressive. Once I started, uh, here, Indy, don't eat now. Go. She's going to start eating out of a bowl now. Um, She's.
0: She's fine, man. Look, this right. it's the show is called the I Suck at Jiu Jitsu Show. It's not the most serious thing in the world, you know? Uh, uh, <laughs> all
1: right. Chow down, girl. Chow down. Um, so yeah, so it was a natural progression once I opened up BJJ United just to teach and stuff like that. Like um, and that was that, you know? And it became it became my job, and that was it. You know, teaching, developing Good students and just students and competitors and just a, a good mix of everything, you know?
0: That makes sense. Do you feel like there is anything that you guys uh, do, whether curriculum-wise or teaching style-wise, that maybe is different from other
1: places? Yeah, we keep it I, – I wouldn't even say curriculum-wise. Um, we definitely have a more disciplined environment. Um, once it's mat time, it's mat time. It's definitely a respectful environment. Um, there's no real horseplay on the mat. There's no, we try to limit any type of martial art once we're on the mat. Um, even as you know, you've heard me discuss before, like make sure people have the same color top and bottoms on, um, all blue gi, all white gi. Um, we try to limit the superhero outfits and attire because like man it's like it's just i don't know some people dig it no knock on them but i i don't dig it you know what i mean um so it's a respectful environment um everybody trains um we limit the sideline stalking you know what i mean um mm-hmm. and if you come into my school you see all the black belts still taking class which is an extremely important thing as well So you'll come in the class some days and there'll be more black belts taking class than there will be other belts. And people walk in and they're amazed by that. But if if you've only been to our school and my students, it's nothing new to them. You know what I mean? Some of my students visit other schools and they see all the black belts stretching on the side of the mat, not drilling, not participating. And they come to me and they're like, coach, like, yeah, this is, is this normal? You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, at some places, I guess, but we only know our way. So like, I think it just comes down to a respectful, disciplined environment. That's all.
0: That's cool. I think I think so often gyms um, and uh, those gym environments, they just – they come from the top, right? So if, you know, like guys that are respectful, um, they're going to have a respectful environment, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, guy, and it tends to be guys that are arrogant tend to breed arrogant students, you know? Um, I, I assume I've actually never been to your gym, but I assume everybody's really mean and will break my arm twice in a day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not going to be actually, everybody's really nice, but it's just training and, and it's just, it's constant pressure coming forward. And maybe if you're lucky, it'll break your arm three times in a day, but (laughs) but, um, no, that's all it is. It's, it's. And people, some people, like you'll get visitors from other local gyms and they think it's like we're out to kill them, but it's not. It's everybody gets the same treatment, whether you're a student or not a student. People aren't leaving hurt. It's just constant pressure. That's all it is. It's that pressure that they're not used to of people coming, 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 guard pass, guard pass, sweep, sweep, sweep. Like they're used to that playing around and just like maybe getting a positional exchange here and there, you know, but here. My guys are coming and that's, it's all, it's a different cardio. It's a different pace. It's a different pressure. And once you adapt to that, you're going to get better. That's mm-hmm. all. That's all it is. It's not personal. People take it person. People take in Philly, there's certain schools that they don't let their students put pressure, jaw pressure to like turn the head away on guard passes because they think it's personal and it's mean. Like cuz, what do you, what do you teaching? That's like, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like pressure you're like you're not allowed to do pressure what are you doing you should get smacked for that no offense you know what i mean you should get smacked for that um so yeah just little things like that it's not personal it's just hard jujitsu training it's clean jiu training you know what i mean and it's just you know that's just how we do it our style might be different than the next style down the street but we're not obsessed with bashing or bad mouthing to anybody else down the street we're not even thinking about that you know what I mean? We're thinking about our product that we got going on right in front of us, and we're gonna do it the best we possibly can.
0: That makes that perfect makes. sense to me, man. I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, people can tend to be um, because jujitsu can use finesse. People can almost overuse finesse, yeah. right? They can almost, uh, you know, overuse um, not having to fight a little bit, but you still are in a in a
1: fight, you know? Yeah trying to choke you they're trying to arm lock you they're trying to leg lock you they're trying to break your limbs so like yeah this is a fight it's a different type of fight it's a it's a grappling match you're in combat with another human being you know so it, it's it's a, a physical sport you know injuries are gonna happen things happen so but like i don't know all i want is a great family environment with a great bunch of guys who are willing to train hard and not take that hard training personal that's all it's and that's what we've bred from the top Look out for one another, train hard, make everybody the best level possible. That's all.
0: That's awesome. I, I love that. All right. So we're getting to the point in the podcast where we like to play a little bit of a game. Are you cool with that?
1: Yeah, let's play. Okay. So the game,
0: <laughs> the game is called Take It or Leave It. Okay. I, I, so how the game works is I make a statement and you can take it, which means you agree with it, or you can leave it, which means you disagree. And we'll talk All a little right. bit about it, right? All okay. Right. So, you know, um, I'll I'll just we'll just get into the game and we'll just uh, kind of experiment with it. So, uh, first off, take it or leave it. The Eagles win the Super Bowl this year.
1: Take it. Take it. Uh, is is it probably going to happen? No, but I'm taking it anyway, just because it sounds good. Go ahead. Okay, okay. How did
0: you feel about the the would you have rather had Nick Foles or Carson Wentz? What is your your opinion on it?
1: What, this season?
0: Just in general, when they when they let Nick Foles go, they, they didn't train him, right? They let you know they let his contract yeah, run out, yeah, him, I believe.
1: Jack Jaguars got him. Mean, I think he actually just signed with Chicago, believe it or not. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. um that's a tough one for me, to be honest with you. Do I think Wentz is the all-around better physical quarterback? Yes. But he seems to be the most injury-prone quarterback I've also experienced thus far. And from what I understand, his tools are amazing, but he's not the best leader in the room. That's what I hear, too. I And I got some friends, too, that that are former Eagles or still close to the Eagles and stuff like that. So I get a little inside scoop of what's going on a little bit. So. Uh, hey, stand by one second. I'm letting my yeah. dog out. Okay, you're good. All right, All right, Go, girl. All right, she's outside. Good. All right. Um. So. Oh shit. So, so yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Do I think? Do I think? Do I think Foles could take us to another Super Bowl right now? No, because I don't think he has the tools. Um, it, it's going to be a rebuilding phase in the next few years. So I think. Think we're going to win a Super Bowl in the next few years. No, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, that you know, they're, they're both. I, I just found Foles to be a better leader. I think the guys followed him. They they believed in him. They followed him. You know, Wentz, I don't see that. I don't see that following. That's all. But he's special. He's amazing. But just that vibe, I'm not feeling. You know what I mean? I
0: I, I, I totally understand. I get it. All right. So next, take it or leave it. Everyone should flow roll leave it leave it
1: what i thought you're i thought you're a big advocate for the flow rolling movement right? <laughs> Nah, man I'm, I'm i'm not into that like as i get a little older i'm not gonna go back on my ways a little bit you know what i mean <laughs> it, i mean it couldn't be a healthy warm-up thing nowadays yeah all right sure but it shouldn't be a and i'm not being a hypocrite here you know like you know we when i was out there a few weeks back we had the first role and we trained a little bit it wasn't the hardest training me uh-huh. and you you know what i mean it was a little flowy but it might have been aggressively technically you know it was a little pressure involved so i won't call it off flow there you go
0: okay i like it <laughs> i i um i actually it, it, didn't go, go ahead go ahead, go
1: ahead. So I I I don't know that was just my opinion on it
0: you know. Oh, so this is actually I'm not sure if you even remember, but my first time meeting you I believe was at Respect Two, maybe like something like that, and we were both on the same card, and I was flowing with somebody to warm up, and you were like, "What are you doing? You know, we (laughs) we don't flow roll, dude. What are you doing?" (laughs) And that was I was. I was like, oh, OK, I, I, I guess I won't do it. I, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> nah, I mean, I haven't softened up or eased up a little bit. But, like, you know, all jokes aside, for, like, a little warm-up for a few minutes or something to get, like, the blood flowing a little, it's not a bad thing, I guess. But just, like, I'm not into choreographed katas and this and that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know... We're going to train. We're going to train. There's other ways to warm up. I'm just not into like that. I'm not into it. Some guys are into it. I'm not going to knock them for it. You know what I'm saying? But it's what it is. Not my thing.
0: I, I get it. All right. So take it or leave it. You've never had a Philly cheesesteak unless you've been to Philly. I'll take it. So there's no – you. I see, then I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on them. It's what makes them different?
1: Um. All right. So there's definitely other Philly cheesesteak places across the country. All right, there is, there is, and there's people who have moved from Philly to open up chili, Philly cheesesteaks across the country for sure. There is no doubt. But it, it's you got to be in the city. You got to be in the area. You got to order it properly. You know what I mean? You gotta. You gotta. A. I want the pizza steak without. I want the pizza steak with. I want the pizza steak with. And, and unless you get that full experience at Pat's or Geno's or Steve's or, or or Ishka Bibble's or one of the good spots or whatever, Tony Luke's, then, <laughs> you, don't, then you don't know.
0: Then you don't know. Okay, and, I um, like it. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. All right, stand by. Let her back yep, in. You're good.
1: Come on, get in here. Yeah, so you, you unless you stood in line and had that stress of that – Counter person calling next, next, <laughs> next. And you're freaking out, not knowing how to order, and you think you're going to be able to pay with a credit card, cash <laughs> only. <laughs> yeah. You got to feel the anxiety and the stress of that before you had a real Philly cheesesteak. I get right. it.
0: It's an experience. It's, 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 an experience. More than just, it's more than just a sandwich, man. I get it. I yeah, get if, that.
1: If, if, if I go to St. Louis and get a Philly cheesesteak, you're going to be all polite, nice, Hey, how you doing today? Oh, you're from Philly? Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> no I want that stressful experience where you gotta know what you want when you get to the counter, cash in hand. That's it. I
0: I dig it, man. I dig <laughs> it. Okay, so I got I got one last take it or leave it for you, and All then right. one question to finish. But take it or leave it, TAC Team will be on the world's podium one day.
1: Take it. Take
0: it. Take I dig it. it. Where will they be at on the podium?
1: we gotta, We got we to work our way up. we got to work our way up. Um, we're doing some good things now. We've been getting on the local podiums. Like we mm-hmm. won Chicago. We got second in Chicago. We placed in Cincinnati. Uh, the next goal is going to be New York. I want to place in Boston. I want to place in Atlanta. I want to place everywhere, to be honest with you. We got the firepower in the younger guys and the masters at this point to actually really make some noise. But it's just a matter of getting the whole crew together. Mm-hmm. where we come with those numbers and cause the firepower is there without a doubt in all the belts, we have some real a level guys on the team. We got you, we got Layton, we got Calvin East. We got, yeah. I mean, the names are pretty heavy from all the belts, the black belts and our masters team's ridiculous. Yeah. If you think about it. Um, we have a lot of sick masters guys. I mean, we can definitely, we can make noise at the masters worlds this year if we wanted to, we just got to mm-hmm. get the whole group together. Um, but yeah, it will happen. It it will definitely happen. Um, it's just a matter of coordinating it properly and getting those numbers there where we start meddling in every category. That, That makes
0: sense, man. That's good. I dig it. I dig it. Okay. So last question, we always finish with this question on the show. Um, the scenario is I am at a Jared Weiner seminar. I'm a four stripe white belt. And I raise my hand during question and answer and I say, hey, how do I suck less at jujitsu?
1: How do I suck less at jujitsu?" jitsu Yes. And that, so we're in the Q&A part right there and they hit Q me and with A. That
0: question. Yeah. And you're allowed to dog me like you do on sometimes when you, <laughs> when you, when, when people do Q&A at your seminars. I've been to your seminars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how do i suck less at jiu-jitsu i'm just gonna be like man you just gotta you know have fun enjoy the process enjoy the journey don't put too much stress on yourself um you're not gonna learn everything in one day uh make sure you listen to everything kyle watson says to you all right because he is just a a, a man of gems and wisdom all mm-hmm. right um so you know just follow Watson's lead. Follow McKinney's lead. You know what I mean? Follow these guys' leads, and I promise you they're not going to take you in the wrong direction. You know, that, that's all. That's what I tell the guy or girl, whoever it is asking me. Um, but, yeah, that's what I would tell them. How do I suck less? Just train more. Have fun. Be consistent. Follow Watson and McKinney into the darkness or the light, whichever, whichever works better for you.
0: I, I, whichever one you're following. I get it. Yeah, whichever one I you're following. All right, man. Thank you so much. Those are the questions I have for you. Do you have anything you want to say to finish?
1: I just, you know, it's weird times we're in right now. You know what I mean? Hopefully we get out of this soon. I want everybody to just stay safe, stay healthy, um, try to be happy, you know, stay positive, support one another, um, have faith in your gyms. You know, we're going to be all back open soon, no matter what affiliate you train at, no matter what school you train at. um, You know, We'll get through this, um, and just support one another. You know what I mean? In a, on a human, on a human level, not just the jujitsu team level. Because at this point, this is way bigger than that. And then uh, just listen to your local uh, local government's rules and regulations, and just try to stay healthy and protect your elder ones, especially out there right now. All right, that's that's what I gotta say. Um, keep drilling, keep training, have fun, laugh. You know, and and, and let's keep this thing moving forward. All right, guys.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, man.
1: Thanks, Josh. Be safe.
0: And that is the episode. Thank you guys for checking this one out. Uh, Like I said, we're going to be having Jared on again, hopefully very soon. And uh, I can't wait to follow up on this. But also just the, the topics that we have for the next one, I'm really excited about. Because we've been doing a lot of back and forth about this, could actually be very relevant for the jujitsu community in general to talk about. And so uh, I'm I'm so excited, I'm so pumped for that. But that being said, uh, yeah we're we're kind of we're kind of strolling on the podcast. We're about to head into the jujitsu is series it starts on thursday and i am so excited to share this one with you guys i've been working on it for a long time and i just really let my my nerd flag fly on this uh on this episode And uh, so I'm very excited about doing those, very excited about what's coming in the future. But I thought I would tie into the end of this episode, just a little story for you guys. And I kind of, you know, it's just, I could have started this episode with this, uh, but I don't know. I just kind of thought I would put it at the end, Uh, but kind of the story goes with, with us. And just, I really wanted to stress who Jared is, and this is why I want to have him on again um when i and my coach i've been under the same coach forever um like from day 1 i've been under Kyle Watson and there was this point where Kyle uh he didn't have an affiliation we were affiliated with nobody and the opportunity to for Watson Martial Arts to just be its own affiliation and us just do that it was kind of there and, um, you know, and that was kind of the plan for a long time. And for me, I was always Kyle's main competitor. Uh, it was always his, you know, like his, his one of his highest ranking belts and I was always one of his main competitors. And so, especially when it came to competition team stuff, when it came to affiliation stuff, he was very, very, um, big on, uh, kind of getting my opinion. And I also had a school at this time too. And so it affected my school too. And my answer to new affiliation was always absolutely no. Why would we do that, Kyle? Why? Why not just it be me and you? And that was always my answer. And um, people, you know, Kyle has a huge gym and has a you know could have been a huge part of somebody's affiliation. And so people were asking often, Kyle, why don't you just come under us? And the answer was always no. And then I got to to be around Jared, and I have been around him a few other times, but got to be around him during a weekend where he taught a seminar at Kyle's. And he, you know, great content, great seminar, uh, but just who he is as a person, uh, as just somebody leader-wise, I just really, really like, really, really respect. And um, Kyle actually asked my dad and I to breakfast like the next Monday. Monday before we went and trained and he's like hey uh, Jared is going to start up tag team again and or, or really just get it just get it going he wants to build the affiliation and he's like and Mark in Chicago and keep in mind I came up competing against Mark's guys uh, Kyle came up competing against Mark and he's like you know Mark Mark Vives that is and he's like uh, you know he he's going to join the team and Jared is is really trying to get us to do it and without hesitation, I was like, "Yes, let's do it. I'm in. I'm sold." I was like, "Really? I really thought that." He's like, "I want to do it," but he's like, "I really thought I would have to try to convince you." And I'm like, "No, no, no." Always, it was like everyone would ask us, "Hey, join our team because it would benefit us. Because you guys have a big school. You know, you have so, you have a few schools now. You have a you would be a great piece of our affiliation. It would benefit us." But with Jared, he's such a good leader. I recognized immediately this would benefit Kyle and I. You know, this would benefit, it It united us in the Midwest. And now, there are all these other Midwest affiliations of tag team. Now, we just came off winning Chicago Open, St. Louis Open, and Kansas City Open. Chicago Open was Gionogi, and we won both. And Kansas City Open, IBJJF. The overall of the team award. And that was never an option when I was the only Watson martial arts guy competing at Chicago open. And now it's this thing where we have this team and, um, you know, it just kind of, to me is just a little note on, on his leadership and on who he is. And that is why, you know, when he comes on the show, we are going to look at that coach student relationship that we talk about. Um, and just, this next generation and how to be uh how to be you know whatever respectful actually is how to be respectful to the generation above you if you are younger coming into jujitsu and the people that all came before you and um i just you know just kind of a, a little pre-sale to those, those episodes that we're going to be doing uh and i think you guys will like those episodes but that being said, I will talk to you guys on Thursday when we start our Jiu-Jitsu is series. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. I uh, I hope it was helpful for you, and I hope that it helps you guys suck just a little bit less And Jiu-Jitsu. Have a great day, guys.